Welcome to church. Um, if this is your first time here, we're so, 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 so glad that you are here. Genuinely from the bottom of my heart, so glad you're here. Um, this is our second afternoon service. I think that deserves a round of applause as well. Thank you guys for coming out um, and for standing with us in this vision. We are the only church in Warrington that has this slot. So for you guys to be here is amazing. Um, me and my husband have been, um, I guess this year, one thing we try, started trying to do is um, just pick areas of our life that we're going to focus on. And last night um, we listened to a sermon about prayer. And you know when you listen to something and it just makes you think, what have I been doing? <laughs> and it just really, really challenged us. So um, I'm going to start with prayer and then we'll get into the word. So dear God, we just uh, come before you, the maker of heaven and earth. God, you are all powerful, almighty. You are you know everything, you see everything, you wrote everything, and what a privilege it is to come before you, the creator of heaven and earth. And God, I ask that as I speak today and as I bring your word, that you will speak through me and you will prepare people's hearts to hear your word because it's, it's about you and what you want to say to them, God. Bless everyone's heart, ready to receive. Amen. Amen. So, um... We're speaking about mental health this week, and I don't know if I'm going to repeat Barry's message from this morning, because <laughs> we've not spoke, but if I do, then you'll know that God is really saying something, because we've got two people in separate locations who got the same word from God to, um, to bring. Um, so we're talking about mental health, and I'm going to be this morning trying to add some tools to your toolbox in this fight. Because um, mental health is a massive giant. It is something that we are all battling every day. Whether you think you have a mental health illness or not, you are battling with your mental health every day. And I believe that as Christians or as people, sometimes we're not as successful in conquering our giants because we either adopt this approach of passive waiting where we're always waiting for God to work a miracle, and we're sitting there passively just saying, God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? But God has also said to us that we need to rise to action. We need to seek godly wisdom. We need to be persistent in prayer. He said, some things will only come out when you fast and pray. So it's not always about just waiting for God to do those instant miracles, which he can and will do. But sometimes you need to be active in the facilitation of what God wants to do in your life. So what I'm going to try and do this morning is add some tools to your toolbox that in your everyday when you're going through and you're thinking about your mental health, you can be successful. So um, there's a verse and it's James chapter 1 verse 8. And it says, a double-minded man is unstable. Barry's laughing. I guess he shared this this morning. <laughs> a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And the word for unstable there is a word that means in opposition to order and authority. So this is the thing. When God made us, 
in Genesis, it says, God said to us, be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion. That means you rule, baby, you rule. (laughs) So this word is here saying that when you're double-minded, when you're unstable, you're not actually occupying the space that God has said you should occupy. And if God is saying, I want you to rule, but you're in a period of instability, then you're not being the full person that God has created you to be. And that is why our mental health is so important. When our mind is not right and we're fighting other battles, we become unstable and we can't fully function in the ways that God will have us function. And sometimes you'll hear us preachers when we speak, we're banging on about the meaning of words and what this means, but it's so important because we serve a God who is intentional. It says in the Bible that no comma that is in the Bible will pass until it is fulfilled. So that means every single word in the scriptures is important. And sometimes we've lost the art. We, we like to go through our Bibles and just write, I've read my six verses, that's it. And tick the box. But sometimes you need to pause, get that one verse, break it down, word for word. What does this verse actually mean? And then then you start to uncover the depths and the truth of the Bible. So when you hear hear us going on about what this word means, is what we're saying is every word that God has spoken is important. And if he said, Fatmon, you are created to rule, but then if you're unstable, you're not ruling, then what that tells me is something has to change and it's not God, so it's me. So I need to realign myself to what God has said, because at the moment I'm not. So mental health is this big giant that we face every day. Everything we do begins in our mind. I've just gone to stretch out my hand there, but my brain has taken 20 different processes before my hand came out. Every step we take, every breath, even though we think it's subconscious and we're not thinking about it, our brain has thought, our mind, something has had to happen in our mind for every action we do to come forth. And what I'm going to do today is talk about it from a Christian perspective, a bit of a medical, and like I said, I'm adding tools to your toolbox because you have to attack this giant with the right tools. You don't kill a spider with a shotgun. (laughs) And you don't kill an elephant with a a fly swatter. And I'm not referring to the size of your faith here. I'm not talking about the David and Goliath miracles that God can do. But we have to be mindful that God says sometimes, you decree, you declare, you fight, you fast. And you've got to have the right tool to do that. So I'm going to start in... 3 John 2 verse 2, and it says this, Beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. God's desire for us is that we are in perfect peace that our minds are in perfect peace. 
The word for peace actually means nothing missing, nothing broken, totally whole. That is God's desire for us. He said that he wants us to succeed. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to be in good health, even as our soul prospers. He cares about our spirit man and how we're growing in him and our relationships with him and and how that's growing and flourishing. But he also cares about our minds. He also cares about our minds. He's concerned about our mental health, where we are. He places emphasis on the fact that as you grow spiritually, because your mental health is important, that needs to grow too. Because the two go hand in hand. And I need you to know here today that wherever you are in your mental health journey, because we all have good times and bad times, times when it's harder and times when it's, it's better. God cares. And your struggle is important to God. And I'm talking about whether you just think it's a little bit of a confidence issue or whether you've got bipolar. I'm talking about whether you've got depression or anxiety or you just think not too much of yourself. Whatever it is that's falling under that bracket of mental health where at the minute you just can't seem to get up and go when you're tired and you don't know why, God cares about your struggle. I need you to know that. Your mental health, your health, your well-being, God cares about that. You are a child of God purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. When he took your place on the cross and he died and he said, it is finished, he bore your mental health as well. He took everything and he died for it because he wanted you to be whole. So I need you to know that God cares about your mental health. And in the church, we have not done the best job of addressing this issue. But God cares. We sometimes view our mental health as a reason to run away and a a reason to hide and a, a reason to shut all the doors and start telling ourselves lies. But in those times, our spirit should cry out for God more because he cares. Every day we face a battle to align our minds to the truth of what God says about us. I was in youth this morning and I was telling them about how I was growing up and I I hit a stage and I was really insecure and I didn't think much of myself. I didn't think I was wonderful. I didn't think I was beautiful. I didn't think I had anything to contribute to society. I had lived in the shadow of so many people and I didn't think there was anything in me and when God God started speaking to me, he had to take me to that scripture that says, no, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I know people read that scripture all the time, but I had to read it to myself every morning and every night and during the day until it became my truth. Until it became who I was. Because my mental health at that point was not in the best space. And I didn't think I had anything to add. I didn't think I had anything to contribute. I didn't think I was somebody. And I had God telling me, Fat Mon, you're wonderful. And I was like, really? I don't think so. And I had to, the Bible uses the phrase, wash yourself with the word. And what that means is letting the word of God wash over you. 
and wash away everything that is not like him. Wash away the lies and you take on the truth of what God says. And now I stand here and I'll say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I say that believing it. And I didn't believe it when I started saying it. And I couldn't even look in the mirror and say it to myself. I would stand in front of the mirror and I would look down and I was saying it. Until God allowed it to wash me over and I stood and I looked at myself like, yeah, I'm pretty all right. Because God says I am. And I stand in the confidence of what he has said about me. And you have to every day battle. It's a battle in your mind because your mind will tell you something. People will tell you something. But God has said, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And if the person who created spoke everything into being thinks you are wonderful, isn't that something? I remember I was studying, um, I keep saying at the beginning of the year, but it's only like 12 days into it. <laughs> um, I was studying Genesis the other day, and I realized that at the beginning it says, in the beginning God created heaven and earth, and it says that God created man, and this is chapter one. But then when you get to chapter two, it says it formed, he formed man. So I was thinking about that, and I was just like, wait, God, you created them in chapter one, but then you formed them in chapter two. And when I started reading into it and studying it, what I realized is that the creation that God did in chapter one, it was the creation of thinking you through, planning out your life, planning out all the details, getting everything in order, so that when he formed you, in chapter 2, and actually physically formed you from the ground, you were perfect. And that blew my mind. Because I went, you took a whole chapter to think about my life, to think about what you would have me do, to think about what you would create me for. You took the time to plan it out, to put it together. The words there are words of imagery like a tapestry woven together. That creation in chapter one of Genesis was him saying that, I'm thinking, I'm planning, I'm putting it together. And he did all of that before chapter two came and he formed me physically. So who am I? To say that I'm not good enough when he planned me. He planned me out. Like he took time <laughs> to plan me out. So we've got to change our mindset from I'm not this to but God said I'm this. And it won't happen immediately. But you've got to keep fighting it. Fight your mental health every day. There is... Um, so many scriptures in the Bible that talk about things like depression and anxiety. And um, I'm going to read Psalms 88 verse 1 to 10 here. And these are passages that we don't really like to talk about because they're not as feel good. But it's important. And David saying here, O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out to you by day. I come to you at night. Now hear my prayer, listen to my cry, for my life is full of troubles and death draws near. I am as good as dead, like a strong man with no strength left. They have left me among the dead and I lie like a corpse in the grave. I, I am forgotten, cut off from your care. You have thrown me into the lowest pit, into the darkest death. 
Your anger weighs me down with wave after wave. You have engulfed me. Now, if that doesn't sound like somebody he's down and out and depressed, then I can't read. <laughs> We've got Psalms 42. Um, and this is verse 1 to 8. And you guys have probably heard this one before if you've been churched. <laughs> As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night, I have only tears for food. While my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I used to walk among the crowns of worshippers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. What I love about this second passage is that even in the midst of great anguish and despair, David never stopped striving to bring his heart back to the focus and the truth of who God is and what he has always done. In verse 5, he said, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior, my God. Verse 6, now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember. Verse 8, but each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. You will only overcome the darkest nights with the truth and the force and the brightness of who God is. And our battle, the tool you'll need to make it through is to remember the truth of who God is. As soon as that thought comes, as soon as that time comes, you must battle, you must fight the lies with the truth. And the truth is Jesus. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Because your mind will tell you so many other things. Society will tell you so many other things. But God has said you are good. God has said he is there. God has said he will never leave you or forsake you. He is unfailing. He is everlasting. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He thought your life together. And he formed you. He made you with plans. What makes a person a Christian is not that he doesn't get discouraged or broken. What makes a person a Christian is the connection he has with Jesus Christ and how that shapes his periods of discouragement. You will get down. 
The Bible promises us that difficult times will come. But then it says, but he came that we can have life. And he's always there with us. We have to view our situations not as the end, not as the worst, but as an opportunity for God to show us himself. To show us who we are. To show us our brokenness so he can make us whole again. And it's not comfortable. And it's hard and you feel like tearing your hair out. And you feel like biting everybody else's head off. But in the times of our lowest places, we have a unique opportunity of experiencing the fullness of God in ways that nobody else can. There's a a person that I love um, so much, Charles Spurgeon. He's a really old-time preacher. And um, he wrote so many books. And one of the things that he said, because he battled with depression throughout his whole ministry. And one of the things that he said is, He appreciated it because it made him kinder and more empathetic to his congregation when they would come to him with problems. So he took that challenge and said, but God, this is for your glory. And if it makes me a better pastor, and if it is for your glory, then I can bear that. And we have to switch our mindset from thinking this is the end of me, this is the worst, to thinking, but God, you're going to use this and you're going to make it beautiful and I'm going to be able to help somebody through what I've gone through because you're going to fix it. So practically, before we get to those down and out stages, there are little signs that our body will tell us that it's getting there. Um, Stress in our bodies are an amazing thing because God designed it. So a lot of the times we, um, we don't do anything until it's too late. But if you start to pick up the signs before you get too late, you can avoid crisis points. So some of the things to look out for is hair loss and hair thinning, irritability, things that normally you'd have been able to just smile through. Now all of a sudden somebody does the smallest thing and you're like, at the minute, I have to confess that's me, but my, mine is hormones related. <laughs> and I keep looking over at me in the couch and being like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I've got a baby growing inside me and I'm hormonal. <laughs> um, sleeping, but never quite feeling rested. Never quite feeling like you've had enough rest. Repeated or frequent Frequent bouts of small illnesses. You've you got a chest infection today, and then you've got a cold tomorrow, and then you've got an earache, and then you've got a sore throat. And it just seems like for the past six months, you're like, you're ill for a bit, and then you're better, and then you're ill for a bit, and you're better. Aches and pains, just you don't know why. Backache, shoulder ache, neck pain. Losing joy in the things that used to motivate you. You used to love exercising, eating healthy, praying, worshipping, serving in church. Now you just want to go home and just sit, do mindless things, wanting to be alone. I would encourage that if any of these things sound like you at the minute, that you need to start taking some actions before you hit crisis point. If you're seeing yourself in any of these categories it's not always but it usually is a sign that your mental health is starting to be in a bit of a decline 
And prevention, as we know, is better than curing. And we've got to do something. We've got to be quick in taking those steps to repair that thing. Like, so it might be detoxing your environment, detoxing your friends, because whether we like it or not, some friends are just toxic to us, you know? And sometimes, unfortunately, it can be that one family member that you know after you speak to them and you get off the phone with them, you're not right for a few days. And sometimes you just have to choose to love people from afar. You still love them, but you love them from afar. Do you need to start journaling to put your thoughts down to clear your mind? Do you need to spend more time releasing to God in prayer? Do you need to change your diet because your diet has a massive impact on your mental health? If you're eating the wrong things and your mind is sluggish and you can't think properly, then you're going to feel low. Do you need to exercise? And it doesn't necessarily mean getting up and running a marathon. You can start by going up and down the stairs a couple times a day to get your heart rate going. And then start by walking around your block a few times, your estate, and then build up to doing things. But do you need to start exercising? Do you need to take vitamins? Do you need to surround yourself with people who love you and who can be honest with you and who can be like, fat mon? Your attitude stinks right now. What do we need to do? Like my husband at the minute. <laughs> you need to fight the urge to hide. Because that's the first thing that happens. All of a sudden, you stop wanting to go out. You can't be bothered anymore. You don't want to see anybody. You'd rather just sit at home. You have to fight that. Because once you isolate yourself, you make it 10 times worse. Do you need to turn off the distractions and actually think about where you are? Our phones are so good now that you can spend hours and hours and hours scrolling and you've not done anything, but then you're not thinking that actually I'm a bit upset today. Why am I upset? Going through that process and unraveling it so you're not carrying another load. Do you need to have a social media fast where you're like no Facebook, no Instagram, no WhatsApp, I need time to clear my mind. You need to be real with yourself, but dig deeper in worship and prayer. And your mind will catch up if you continue to make disciplined, good actions. Your mind will catch up. And at the minute, you may feel like a, a force and a fraud because you're forcing these good actions, but your mind will catch up. The Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 to 7. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Humble yourself. Bring yourself low. Bring yourself to peace by casting your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. He cares. God cares. God cares. And when I think of the word casting, I've only been fishing once, and I did catch a fish. But um, I remember... Um, there's a guy I call him my American dad, and he was teaching me how to fish. And he 
did all the stuff for me and he gave me the fishing pole and I'm probably using all the wrong terminology so if you like fishing I apologize <laughs> and he gave me the pole and it was like go on cast it and I went okay then I just kind of flung it a little bit <laughs> and it didn't even hit the water and he, he brought it back and he's like what are you doing and I was just like I don't know and he's like no cast it so he told me to put my leg to the side and swing it with force into there. Because the fish were in the middle of the lake and I was at the edge on the bank. And if I wanted to reach the fish, then I had to cast it with force. And sometimes you're going to have to get a bit aggressive about it. You can't be cute when it comes to your mental health because that's how you get yourself in a mess. So you can't be like, oh, I'm feeling a bit low today. Oh, okay. You have to be aggressive. You've got to cast your cares. You've got to fling it because you're like, can't carry this. Oh, wait, I can feel it coming. Cast it off. With force, cast it. You've got to be aggressive about it. You have to decide, I'm not doing this. I'm not going there. I'm not letting my mind go there. As soon as it comes, as soon as that thought comes, as soon as that feeling comes, you've got to hold it captive and say, no, casting it. Cast your anxieties, your cares, your worries, your turmoil. Cast it on God because he cares for you. If I saw my son running into the road, I wouldn't be like, oh, Gideon, don't do that. I'm throwing everything. I'm running. I'm not even caring. If there's a truck coming, I'm running after him with full force because I'm not having that. But do you have that same passion and aggression about, I'm not letting my mind go to somewhere where it doesn't need to be because I can't take that consequence. Cast it off. When those thoughts come, those feelings come, cast it off. Cast it to Jesus because he cares. Because he cares. If you know he cares, then it should be easier to cast it. And there's someone in here today and you're like, you don't know the trauma I've been through and the worship team can come up and you're like, I've been through stuff. It's deep. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know my story and I'm even on medication and it's not even working and I, I don't know where I am and I can't just cast it. You're right. I don't know. But what I do know is Jesus. And Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. And I have these words for you if you're that person. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, whatever I'm going through, God has taught us to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And sometimes when you don't have anything else to say, you just have to say, it is well. There is a story in the Bible about a lady who, who wasn't able to have a child for ages. And when she did finally have a child, because the prophet told her that she was, and her child died 
and she ran and she got on a horse and she was going to meet the man of God who told her that she was going to have this, this child. And people were coming up to her and they were just like, are you okay? And all she said was, it is well. Her son was dead at home on his bed. And I think about three people in the story came up to her and said, are you okay? Is there any problem? And she said, it is well. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his blood for my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but all of it is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. It is well. You have got to declare it. When you don't feel like you have anything left, when you feel like you're at the bottom of yourself and your mental health is running away with you and it's taking you captive, you have to stand there and decree that it is well. It is well. It is well. And things start to shift when you move from where you are and you start to align yourself with what God has said. And God has said it is well. God has said He is with you in there. He has said you are not alone. He has said He is fighting for you. He said His angels surrounded you. Even if it looks like you're surrounded, you are surrounded by Him. There is no mountain He will not climb up. There is no shadow He will not light up coming after you. There is no mountain He won't climb up. There is no shadow He will not light up coming after you. It is well. 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 Declare it. You say it. I'm up here saying it for myself, but you say it for yourself. It is well. It is well. Come on, guys. There's no shadow. There's no mountain. He's coming after you. Let's go.